Hello, my name is Jeremiah Ritterboss. Welcome to Journal Review. The purpose of this podcast is to break down journal articles and explain their meaning and significance in an educational way. The podcast will be divided into three segments that are roughly five minutes each. The first segment will focus on exercise and fitness. The second segment will focus on lifestyle. And the final segment will focus on nutrition. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. The first section, covering exercise and fitness, focuses on the benefits of blood flow restriction training, or BFR, which is supported by many studies. Blood flow restriction training is very beneficial to muscles for a few reasons. BFR training limits vein and artery blood flow. The goal of this is to prevent backflow of deoxygenated blood back to the heart. As a result, it causes blood to pool by working muscles. In that accumulation of blood, there is a buildup of lactic acid and other things. This causes increased muscle damage due to ischemia and hypoxia, which in turn can increase the exercising or training benefits. Studies have found it to improve endurance performance and activate angiogenesis, which is the formation of new blood vessels. K plus ions are essential for muscle function. In high-intensity anaerobic exercise, muscles release K-plus ions. Interestingly, a study found that blood flow restriction training reduced the net K-plus ion release and improved K-plus ion regulation in the muscle. This is linked with higher blood flow to working muscles in high-intensity training. One study, including 18 men, measured the effects of blood flow restriction training on body weight lunges and jump performance. Some subjects did use blood flow restriction, while others did not. After three weeks of training, the training consisted of three sets of eight repetitions of body weight lunges and drop jump exercises. Researchers found that jump height increased by 4.5%, flight time increased by 3.4%, and power increased by 4.1%. This is a significant improvement in those who use blood flow restriction training for the three-week study. In the study, there were no significant changes noticed in those who did not use blood flow restriction. Those conducting the study explained that instead of using heavy resistance equipment for a workout or warm-up, blood flow restriction is also a great alternative. Another study consisting of 38 subjects, uh, the cross-section of the thighs of the subjects were measured prior to the experiment, which involved blood flow restriction. However, no exercise was involved in the study. Blood flow restriction, the blood flow restriction study was as follows. Five sets of five minutes of blood vessel restriction and three minutes of no restriction. This was done twice a day for about two weeks. While the study has its limitations, the results support the idea that blood flow restriction in the absence of exercise is able to minimize strength reduction and muscular atrophy during sedentary periods. There have been other studies that support the idea that blood flow restriction is efficacious for muscular hypertrophy. Still another study focused on the effect of blood flow restriction training on 16 high-level rowers. The variable being measured in this experiment was the VO2 max. The VO2 max is basically the maximal oxygen intake. After 15 sessions taking place in over five weeks, it was found that blood flow restriction training significantly increased the VO2 max in the high-level rowers. 
uh, great times to use blood flow restriction are um, when you are pre- when you are rehabbing from an injury such as a torn bicep or a torn ACL. Also, when you are preparing for strength training. Uh, also, when you are wanting to slow the prog- the progression of muscle loss or sarcopenia, which is the decline of muscle due to aging. Um, you can also use blood flow restriction training when you're wanting to give your body a break from heavy weights without losing strength or muscle mass. Uh, one important part of blood flow restriction training is, uh, in, is making sure that you apply the tourniquet properly in order to avoid problems. However, the chances of potential problems developing are relatively low, but precautions should still be taken. In the next section, the lifestyle section, we will cover the disease acid reflux, also known as gastroesophageal reflux disease. Acid reflux is a widespread disease. Over 60 million Americans experience this disease every month. The symptoms of gastroesophageal reflux disease um, include a pain or discomfort moving from the stomach up to the chest and throat. This symptom is commonly called heartburn. Uh, Heartburn is caused by, uh, heartburn is a burning sensation caused by hydrochloric acid or stomach acid moving up from your digestive tract into your esophagus. Another symptom uh, common in acid reflux is uh, regurgitation and uh, dyspepsia, which is burping, nausea after eating, stomach fullness or bloating, and upper abdominal, upper abdominal pain and discomfort. Um, males are much more likely to get this than females. <clears throat> Acid reflux results in the impairment or the relaxation of the lower esophageal sphincter, which results in acid coming into the esophagus. The lower esophageal sphincter is located on the posterior or the top of the stomach, separating the stomach from the esophagus. It is a ring of muscles, as well as diaphragm muscles, that constrict to keep the stomach contents from coming up into the esophagus. It is relaxed when peristalsis, which is a chain of digestive tract muscle contractions, pushes the bolus or the food through the lower esophageal sphincter. But when the lower esophageal sphincter is impaired, or in this case relaxed, it is no longer able to effectively keep food in the stomach. Foods high in fat, oils, or spicy foods, uh, or caffeinated products, alcohol, chocolates, peppermints, citrus fruit, and uh, other foods uh, trigger acid reflux in many people. Stomach acid, or hydrochloric acid, has a very toxic effect on the esophagus. When hydrochloric acid leaks into the esophagus, it results in painful ulcers. This damages the mucosal esophageal wall, which plays a large role in stabilizing the esophageal environment. Without the treatment of gastroesophageal reflux disease, major issues caused by the hydrochloric acid in the esophagus, such as severe ulcers, strictures, which is a narrowing of a passageway, and although rare, perforations, which are holes in the esophagus, 
will emerge. One main factor affecting the lower esophageal sphincter relaxation is the pressure of peristalsis pushing on the lower esophageal sphincter 8. This factor is known as motility. Motility is the rhythmic contractions of muscles from peristalsis. Peristalsis is used to move food or nutrients in the gastrointestinal tract. Motility disorders set off the rhythm and result and result in problems in peristalsis. Motility disorders are thought to be neurodegenerative diseases or problems with hormones that control the movement. One large causation are certain drugs such as blood pressure medications, asthma medications, and anticholinergics. <clears throat> when dealing with acid reflux, avoiding foods that trigger gastroesophageal reflux disease, such as chocolate, caffeine, or alcohol, is a great step in order to fix the issue. Also, avoid meals close to bedtime. However, some people still sleep in an elevated bed or chairs in order to in order to avoid the symptoms. Studies have found that meals close to bedtime um, is the most influencing factor in acid reflux. However, while you can fix gastroesophageal reflux disease with, with lifestyle changes, oftentimes medical treatment is necessary. Medications such as antiacids, which neutralize the stomach acid, uh, histamine receptor antagonists, and proton pump inhibitors are used. Studies support that proton pump inhibitors are the most effective medication. However, histamine receptor antagonists are more cost-effective. Another option to fix gastroesophageal reflux disease is surgery. One popular surgery choice, among others, is laparoscopic anti-reflux therapy. This procedure involves the surgeon wrapping the top part of the stomach around the lower part of the esophagus and sewing them together. This causes a tightening of the esophagus and prevents acid from leaking into it. The nutrition segment of this podcast focuses on coffee. Coffee is composed of a variety of compounds and chemicals such as caffeine, antioxidants, diterpenes, as well as okra toxin A, acrylamide, and furin. Caffeine has been shown to have many benefits to the human body, such as improved attention, alertness, physical performance, as well as other benefits. Coffee also contains antioxidants. Compounds such as chlorogenic acids and melanoidins are found in coffee. Blood antioxidant level has been found to increase after coffee consumption. Diterpenes are naturally occurring in the oil of coffee. It is thought that this compound has a protective effect against cancer. However, if consumed in high amounts, it is thought to raise LDL cholesterol level in the blood. Furin is another component of coffee that is naturally formed during the roasting process. It is highly volatile and evaporates quickly. However, there is a potential link between furin and cancer that has caused some concern. 
but there is insufficient evidence to support this claim. Ochratoxin A is another component found in coffee. However, this is a mycotoxin that is found in coffee that is of poor quality and incorrectly stored. Acrylamide is, uh, is a component of coffee that is found to be carcinogenic. Caffeine is used widely uh, among Americans. Shockingly, over 90% of Americans consume caffeine daily. Blood concentrations of caffeine peak within about 15 to 45 minutes of ingestion. However, its metabolic effects may last well over an hour. It can cause sleep disruption. However, by giving the body at least 5 to 6 hours to metabolize caffeine, the effects can be lessened. The liver metabolizes almost 100% of caffeine. Caffeine suppresses appetite of those consuming it. Ingesting over 400 to 500 milligrams of caffeine may lead to effects such as an elevated heart rate and blood pressure. The benefits of caffeine can be seen in skeletal muscle and during exercise. Caffeine can delay muscle fatigue. It is also a vasodilator. Coffee prior to exercise acts as a fatty fuel for the body. This increases endurance during moderately strenuous aerobic exercise. However, for habitual users, when a tolerance to caffeine is developed, the effects of caffeine are blunted. Also, while, this, while the effects vary from person to person, a study found that many of those who ingested caffeine before exercise feel as though they exert less energy during exercise. The potential effects of caffeine on exercise and skeletal muscles include a stimulated central nervous system, and an enhanced neuromuscular transmission. This results in an overall improvement of skeletal muscle because it is thought that calcium ion release by the sarcoplasmic reticulum and muscle contraction is increased in speed. Other benefits may include a reduction in the amount of glycogen used by the muscle cell as well as a quicker motor reaction time. Another area where coffee is useful is in, the, is in the antioxidants it contains. Coffee contains the antioxidants cathestol, trigonelline, chlorogenic acid, melanoidins, as well as others that will not be covered in this podcast. While there are still some concerns surrounding the antioxidant cathestol, it is still being studied and has shown great benefits. It was found that cathestol increases insulin secretion while also increasing the amount of glucose being taken into skeletal muscle cells. This, in the end, decreases the risk of type 2 diabetes, which is when the body has a decrease in insulin sensitivity. Not only was it found to decrease type 2 diabetes, it was found in another study to have growth inhibiting effects on the head and neck cancer cells because of its anti-carcinogenic properties. While this chemical is still being studied, it shows great potential in the health field. Trigonaline is another chemical found in coffee that is used to treat diabetes in various countries. In a study done on diabetic rats, it was found that those treated with doses of trigonaline had a significantly lower blood glucose level and improved insulin sensitivity. Many other 
levels within the rats were brought back to normal. This compound has many benefits which makes it useful to treat diabetes. Chlorogenic acid is found in coffee and it is a potent antioxidant that is found often in our diets today. While more research is necessary on this structure, many studies have linked chlorogenic acid to having benefits such as neuroprotection because of its ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and use its antioxidant properties to decrease cognitive decline and neurodegeneration. It also has other benefits such as cardioprotection, weight loss, anti-inflammatory activity, decreased blood pressure, and decreased diet-induced insulin resistance. It is also thought to decrease oxidative stress on the brain. The final antioxidant that will be covered that coffee contains are melanoidins. Coffee melanoidins form during the roasting process and are thought to be very beneficial because of their antioxidant, antimicrobial, anti-carcinogenic, anti-inflammatory, and anti-hypertensive properties. Despite all the benefits coffee brings, large amounts of coffee today contain mycotoxins, which can be detrimental to one's health. Coffee contains the mycotoxin Ocratoxin A. When improperly stored, mold begins to form on the coffee beans, which leads to an abundance in the dangerous mycotoxin Ocratoxin A. Millions of Americans consume coffee that is high in these mycotoxins. Ocratoxin A can be potentially devastating to the, to the human body. This mycotoxin can cause a variety of kidney diseases, damage to the immune system, birth defects, and even cancer. Even though mycotoxins can be harmful, coffee is still great to implement into one's diet. One way to avoid consuming harmful mycotoxins found in coffee is to purchase mycotoxin-free coffee. This coffee is stored correctly so it is safe for the customer. While many of the individual components of coffee are still being studied, it is supported by research that high quality coffee has many great benefits for the consumer. Thanks for listening to this episode of Journal Review. This podcast is for informative use only. I am not a professional, so please do not take any of this information as medical advice.